You haven't signed up for Connect? Are you nuts? You're missing out. You're really missing out. Click the button, pack your bags, call your account manager, grab your boots, and I'll see you this June in Nashville. What does a pharmacist do? Well, most people might answer that a pharmacist dispenses the medications that my doctor prescribes. Now, I work with a ton of great pharmacists, and one thing that I don't generally see is excitement about pills in a vial. And this is probably because pharmacists have been trained to do so much more. So what can you get excited about in your community? To find out, let's go Beyond the Scripts. Hey, welcome back to Beyond the Scripts. I'm your host, Will Tuft, the Director of Education at Pioneer Rx. And today we have a special guest, uh, as normal, as always. But uh, this week, you know, when when I introduce our uh, guest speaker, I, I always want to look for something special about their pharmacy, something interesting about their career, their focus, uh, their, their role in the community. And um, I, I really couldn't have said it any better than a Google review that I'd like to share really quickly. So uh, this Google review starts out, this pharmacy is without a doubt the best. I live in San Antonio, had to travel Austin uh, for uh, uh, major surgery. The day I was released, uh, the doctor sent us to pick up some prescriptions, one of which was compounded. The service we received was out of this world. The staff treated us as though we were regular customers. They were so kind and helpful. They're not just a pharmacy. They do sell all the medical supplies and equipment you would expect at a privately owned pharmacy, but they also have an array of locally handcrafted items with a nice inventory of wonderful items like costume jewelry, handbags, games, books, snacks. I have to say this place made a lasting impression on me. They go on to talk about uh, your immunization services and how they adapted those later on on because of that amazing uh, first impression that they had. So uh, this this Google review just says so much about this pharmacy. And so uh, happy to introduce Ren and Ching, uh, one of the driving forces behind the success of Terrytown Pharmacy. So Ren, and thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's always exciting to talk with you. So yeah, and I love that Google review. It's great. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's one of the things about your uh, uh, the Terrytown website uh, is you guys make it super easy to get to those Google reviews, uh, and so you can read so many of those Google reviews. And then not only do you guys uh, drive people there, but also important to engage and interact with those. Uh, and and I saw so many responses from the pharmacy too. So I thought that was just a really cool uh, aspect, and you know it's. It's really uh, hard to find a better um, uh, a better way to describe what your pharmacy is all about than just hearing from uh, a successful interaction with one of your patients. Yeah, and I think we love that too. And I, I always think about it too because every time I I look at other pharmacies or even our pharmacy itself, like I would say, uh, if you looked back, maybe even like two years ago, we maybe had like I mean we've been in business for over eighty years, and we had you know like. 30 Google reviews or something. And I was just like, man, it's so crazy that we take care of patients all the time. And people, like I have handwritten notes and little sticky notes on my desk all the time about how great you know, Austin was, or hey, your pharmacist took care of me, or I have all of these great you know, responses, but if you don't capture them, you don't really get to share the, the narrative of like what we do and how we do it. And so I really do like Google reviews. It's kind of a double-edged sword because you know I had someone give us like a one-star review because our pharmacy was too nice. It said, this isn't a pharmacy. I mean, they sell <laughs> medications, but it's more of like a, a boutique. 
And so it's kind of funny where you have to engage in those people too. And uh, one part of reviews is that even if someone has a bad review, you have to address it. And if you don't, then you kind of let someone almost like bad mouth or misinterpret your, your pharmacy or your staff without kind of defending yourself. And so not with getting rude, but just saying, hey, thanks so much for coming in. We are a real pharmacy. It just happens that, you know, it smells really nice when you walk in. And if you want to buy <laughs> a gift for your wife or your husband or your kids, you can do that, too. And so a lot of it's just uh, uh, the engagement and stuff, too. And it's so funny here in Austin because you have so many restaurants and, and bars that have thousands and thousands of reviews. And then you have these businesses that are small businesses that are taking care of the community, uh, giving, you know, code vaccines to people all over the state and all over the city. And, you know, a pharmacy might have, you know, eight Google reviews and stuff. And so it was really important for us to make it as accessible huh. as we can, um, especially after, you know, when we started doing testing, we had a lot of folks, um, we added a little um, um, kind of like link to our review after testing, uh, you know, several years ago, um, you know, that like the texting laws are kind of different. And so we had to kind of like move some links and stuff, but just giving people every opportunity to, to, to kind of like share their experience with people, good or bad too, because sometimes if someone had a bad experience, like I want to know that because that's a talking point with my staff to be like, hey, was this something that we could have done better? Or is this something that, you know, maybe patients are perceiving a certain way? So I really think, you know, while not the end all be all, like I think Google reviews are a really great opportunity for us to share like what it's like to be a patient without actually having to drive and walk in the door. Yeah, yeah, man, because like, especially now, I think we're all so conditioned with uh, just internet commerce. It, like anytime I'm looking at any product, I want to read the reviews and because a company uh, can tell me all day long how great they are, um, you know, but to actually have, have a, you know, a, a customer turned advocate is, is a whole nother thing. And, and on the flip side, haters going to hate, you know, uh, there's always, always going to be, uh, be people who want to nitpick and complain. And so before I buy anything like, you know, any major purchase, I love to go look at those too. Cause, uh, uh, it's interesting. Okay. What can people find to complain about? Because people are going to find something to complain about. So, um, you know, a lot of times you can say, read those and those are actually reaffirming to me because I'm like, okay, cool. That's all they could find to complain about. And this is clearly someone who wants to complain. <laughs> yeah. 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 If you see a review and it's like, they didn't have the color I liked, you're like, oh, right. Like now we're in business. Like, yeah, that's, if that's the worst thing, we're, we're doing okay. You know? <laughs> Yeah, like so, to complain that the pharmacy was too nice. I'll take that. Like, I'll take that all day long. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, too. I think people love to um, kind of be an influencer, right? Like, there's this whole thing with Yelp and with Instagram and, uh, you know, like the idea of being an influencer. And so restaurants are a great place to do that. So it is funny. Like, uh, you'll see, you know hundreds of reviews about a, a, a spring roll <laughs> and yet a, uh, you know, a pharmacy that's providing amazing services. It doesn't have that same, um, that same niche uh, genre for influencers, I guess. Kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder too, and it's something that I've talked about a lot of, um, it's kind of like PBM driven too. Cause like we've been talking with legislators um, recently about patient choice and steerage and things like that. So it's really easy to share your opinion on a place that you have a choice to go to. It's really tough when you're like, man, I love this place, but I can't go fill my meds at Terrytown because I don't have a choice. And so um, everyone can just drive up and get a spring roll and stuff like that too. But I do wonder um, sometimes of, or I don't know, or it's also kind of a personal thing too. You don't want to be like, 
man, this was the best doctor ever. I had a really bad, you know, toe fungus and it got better, you know? So I think part of it is like, there's a little bit of like a privacy thing, but I do think it's interesting, like, especially on Twitter too, where it's like a lot of people just want to have people influenced or respect their opinion. And I think even with some Google reviews, you can almost like hear the voice in their head of being like, you know, uh, like trying to kind of throw weight around, even though I don't know who this person is, but if they're trying to say something like critical or really great, it's really nice, but you have to kind of like balance them out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There, there's probably just like so much psychology that we really haven't unpacked, uh, you know, because really all that's fairly new, but, um, you know, behind like associating like my my positive feelings and self-worth with the success of this amazing dish, like, you know, it, it, interesting thing. So anybody who's not uh, familiar with Terrytown, give me the, the elevator pitch on Terrytown Pharmacy and uh, what you guys are doing there. Yeah, for sure. So Terrytown Pharmacy is the quintessential family pharmacy, small business pharmacy. We were founded in 1941, the day before Pearl Harbor. And um, uh, we've been owned by the same family, the Newberry family, since then. So uh, Mark Newberry is the current owner, and his grandfather was the one that purchased the store way back in the day. Um, Mark's dad ran it for a long time, and then Mark took over in 2006, um, a few years after he graduated from pharmacy school. And basically, um, I would say if you asked us six years ago of like what we were, I would explain to you that we're a, a family-owned, community-centered really um, kind of like backbone of the the local community pharmacy where we, uh, you know, we'd always be at the elementary schools and the middle schools. We fundraise for the, the youth associations and the sports teams and things like that. And so really kind of every typical independent pharmacy that that's out there, right? Like you take care of people really well, you know them really well, you know your patients, they know you. And that was kind of it, right? We filled prescriptions, that was it. And really, I would say, Really, six years ago, that kind of took a turn. So in 2015, I came back to work at Terrytown. I had worked at Terrytown since 2009, so since I was 18 years old. Um, oh, wow. As a tech in training, um, and Mark is a really big friend and mentor of mine, and um, he taught me everything kind of about pharmacy, um, how to treat people, how to take care of folks. And um, I worked through undergrad pharmacy school, uh, worked at a chain for a little bit and came back in 2015. And it really wasn't until 2016. And actually, when we got Pioneer, and I, I know, I promise, I'm not, you know, I wasn't told to say this by Pioneer, I promise. But it really was um, a, a sample of when I went to the chain and I had been there for a year. Before that, I really had no chain experience. And I thought that independent pharmacies were really the gift to the community. Like, there's no one that can do what we can do. Um, really, it's independent or nothing. And then what I really saw was when I went to that chain pharmacy, the technology had 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 gotten so good in these other areas that you could have you could take a high school kid, uh, put them in front of a you know chain computer, and literally it would make them sound like a rock star. Like, oh, looks like you know we're waiting to hear back from your doctor on this. And yeah, this one. Uh, you know, just following prompts on a computer. And so when I came back to the pharmacy in 2015, we were still doing stuff by hand. We were like hand verif verifying. We didn't have computer systems to do like, you know, verification. And so it was very, we had a fax box, like a little Rolodex fax box. And so it was very um, like old tech. And so Mark and I, when we came back, really wanted to enhance like, what are we doing? And part of that was our computer system. We were using a, a basically a, a free pharmacy software from our wholesaler. And the first thing we did was went to San Antonio for the Pioneer conference there. And luckily it was like an hour away from us in Austin. And yeah, we really dug into 
what Pioneer can do, love the team. And 2016, we switched, and then I never looked back. I mean, I mean, just adding a print queue, having a final verification. Like I just talked to one of my friends who owns a pharmacy um, uh, close by, and they don't even utilize a print queue right now and, and final verification. So even if you have Pioneer, it's not enough just to have it, it's how you utilize it. And so really growing from there. So everything that we've done, um, that's super cool and I'm super proud of and my team has done an amazing job on was all kickstarted by our technology. And so I really think that now if I, it's not really an elevator pitch now, Will, so I apologize, but our, <laughs> my I would say my elevator pitch now would be a family pharmacy that's been in business for 80 years, doing the traditional things of taking care of folks and now looking forward to what can pharmacy do beyond just the scope of what every independent pharmacy does. Um, and we all take care of people really well. And what's that next level of uh, providing, you know, pharmacy profession advancing level services. And so that's really what uh, we want to focus on now. Like we, we never will go away from taking care of people really well, but how can we take what we do in our small community and expand it to the greater Austin area or even the country, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that was a, a long elevator, but <laughs> it was, yeah. That was, it got, it got stopped a few times on the way up. Yeah. That's okay, man. Somebody just hit all the buttons. It was like L. Um, yeah. We had L <laughs> so, you know, you, you touch on a, a few interesting things there. Like, um, you know, when I was an installer, I, w I was kind of amazed when um, I would go to some of these pharmacies and see the uh, the software that they were using, you know, uh, prior to Pioneer RX, um, you know, and some of it was surprisingly antiquated, um, you know, by today's standards. And I guess everything's moved so quick over the past, you know, 20 years. But, um, you know, it's it's amazing because a lot of those softwares came out fairly uh, – you know, fairly early in in that technology curve. You know, they 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 were early adapters to uh, uh, take advantage of computing power. But you know, it's it's like you see these these ramp ups of you know early adaptation, and then there's that that period of uh, use, and then there's that period of kind of um, you know maybe uh getting complacent or, or getting comfortable or or you know and and so you have to re-engage and challenge yourself again to take that that next step so you see uh, you know pharmacies doing that with that initial software and then that was probably mark's father i guess would have taken that that jump i guess sometime in the 80s yeah and uh and then you know you see that jump into Pioneer and, and even for existing users, uh, you kind of touched on that second jump where you get comfortable with that base level of knowledge. Okay, now let's take that next level uh, step up and really utilize the software, um, you know, for those advanced uh, functions. So. Yeah, and I say that a lot even when we talk about services too. And that's something that we constantly have to, or like I have to constantly fight against too. It's like, you might start a really cool service, um, but it's like the maintaining of it, right? So it's like, almost like, you know, people can start doing testing, but how do you ramp up beyond that? People might start doing vaccines. How do you ramp up beyond that? Or even like you might start diabetes education, but like what we found working with the University of Texas is so many pharmacies will get accredited to do diabetes education and then just fall off, right? So how do you not just set something up initially and then just let it kind of like fade into nothingness. And so it's a hard challenge and it's, it does take a mindset of constantly pushing and advancing and figuring out new stuff. And so uh, I think you're at like a, a complacency or just 
um, almost like a fear of the uncomfortable, you know, like kind of like nature of being in between like, all right, like it's going to be really difficult to, you know, add a print queue. Like that was the hardest thing for my, my team. Like, you know, we used to have a stack of labels. Every time you process a prescription, a label would print out. And then, you know, print queue was a revelation to me at the chain. And so coming back, I was like, guys, like, like we need baskets. We need to make sure that we can do work efficiently. We need to make sure patients are grouped together and, and just doing that. And it did take a while. Like, to be honest, it was really, really difficult, um, especially like coming back. But now I think, you know, you kind of build this culture and my team's great because they're so flexible. Like every time I throw in a new post edit, you know, they'll, they'll get mad at me for like a second, but then um, <laughs> after, after a while, they kind of like, you know, get used to it and stuff too. So, but I think part of it is just building that culture of, Hey, things are going to change and it's okay. It's not scary. You know, we're, we're going to start doing texting and, you know, you have these post edits that come up and you are going to have a print queue and we're going to start doing med sync and we're going to start doing all this stuff. And so it's definitely like a mindset. Um, and sometimes it gets hard because sometimes you just are tired, <laughs> but you just yeah. can't, can't give up, you know? Well, and there, there's only so many things that, you know, one person can do. And so if you're the owner, operator, bench pharmacist and an entrepreneur and, and new service uh, researcher and implementer and, uh, you know, patient success manager, like it, it's really hard to do all of those things and continue to do all of those things. So it seems like Mark's built a, a great team that kind of allows the the different team members in the pharmacy to fill those niches and, and really grow. Um, you know, and I, I think it's really interesting that, you know, um, as a uh, as the pharmacist in charge, you're able to have such a, a strong role in, in uh, Terrytown, but also within uh Texas Pharmacy Association and speaking at various events with NCPA. Um, so I, I think that's probably, you know, something um, that that I would guess changed with with Mark from, you know, his father's generation of being a bench pharmacist or or has has that always kind of been their management structure? I don't, I don't think so. I think that's really unique to Mark. And like, um, that's the one thing I wish uh, I never knew Brian, Mark's dad, but he was like, I mean, he's like the pharmacy Yoda. He always had a saying and a, a thought for everything. And, <laughs> and I think a lot of um, um, pharmacists do like that. Like my uncle owns a pharmacy even to this day in Hawaii. And it was very interesting seeing kind of like the old school mentality of like my uncle was in the pharmacy every single day, every single hour. And he would always say, Randon, if I'm not here, that means I'm paying someone else to be here. And I think it's just a shift from um, thinking of, well, yeah, if you're not there, you're having to pay someone. But what what can you do in that time? Right. Like if so, when I became PIC, that's one thing that Mark's always uh, been really great about is just giving you resources and time and just saying, hey, you know what, I'm hey, take 20 hours outside of the pharmacy and see what you can do. Um, and actually, he was, when I first <laughs> kind of came into this role, he was like, um, Randon, you should be full-time out off the bench working on all the stuff that you want to do because like that's really going to move the needle. And then I was the one that was like, I don't know, Mark, I still want to have one foot in the pharmacy and I don't want to lose being a good pharmacist. And I'll do 20, I'll, let me do 20 hours a week outside the pharmacy. And he was like, that's fine, but I mean, in three weeks, you're going to come back and realize it's not enough. And sure enough, you know, all the things that we were trying to do, I was like, Mark, you're right. Like, I do need just full time to be able to do this. And part of it's the team that we are not part, but a lot of it, if not most of it's the team we have, because everything that we're talking about doing, you can't do unless you have people that you can trust to do it. And I think that's the big thing that um, Mark kind of realized as well was he did the same thing to start our huge uh, long-term care pharmacy. They have, you know, over 
100 something employees. They have employees all over the country. That started in the 10 by 10 foot um, little closet in our old location that we had from 1971 to 2010. And all of that started in that little room because, you know, Mark said yes to an opportunity and kept figuring it out. And so I think that's what we're really great. And that's why I call it the Terrytown way is, you know, it's not even like fear of failure, but always being okay learning and growing and taking a chance. And uh, a lot of what I say is uh, when opportunities arise, we accept the opportunities and figure out how to do it later. You know, um, like that was something that even we worked with y'all on. Uh, we had an opportunity to go and immunize all of the intellectually um, disabled folks around Texas. But that would mean, I mean, originally they quoted us like 50,000 people. And imagine data entering vaccines for 50,000 people. Yeah. So that's when we reached out to, you know, y'all and Josh and was like, Josh, we need a way to mass upload patients and vaccines. And then, yeah, I mean, and then y'all did it and stuff too. And so we ended up not utilizing Pioneer for that project because the state health department made us use their proprietary system. But that kind of responsiveness to um, the need is is huge. And so I think a lot of it is, I mean, I had no idea how we were going to data enter all that stuff or get it all taken care of, but, you know, it we just have to accept these opportunities as they come up. Otherwise, you know, if you keep saying, oh, well, I don't know how that would work. And it's kind of like the perfect's the enemy of of good or, you know, good enough, like just figure it out. Like, you know, we can give shots, we can data enter. If we have to figure out how to do that, we'll, we'll do it later. So I really do appreciate like Mark's mentorship. And it's been, it's been really cool just having a lot of freedom to practice. And I think that's the benefit of independent pharmacies that you have a lot of autonomy. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, you know, especially again, if you have that, that team that's, um, you know, can, can carry those torches and, and really champion those various, uh, uh, services. So let's talk a little bit about that. So you guys offer a lot of, um, services there that maybe you're not going to find at, um, Definitely not your big box pharmacy, but even, you know, a lot of uh, independent pharmacies aren't going to uh, offer the scope of services that you guys have. So first off, when you walk in, I think um, patients are going to be kind of um, greeted with that really nice front end. Uh, you know, the the product lineup that you have out front offers that boutique experience, which is one of the neat aspects. I always love those pharmacies. It's it's just kind of cool to go in and, and have the 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 fun like you know drugstore uh uh boutique feel and so i guess uh leslie kind of uh mark's uh wife leslie newberry kind of uh heads that up uh and then you guys have a large uh focus on on vaccines uh testing screening uh so you guys are doing not only point of care testing for covid but going past that. So tell me a little bit about your uh, tests and screenings. Yeah, so that was like the best thing about it. And I think it's really important to kind of diversify in that area, especially like a lot of people are complaining, or they've complained about reimbursements for a long time. And even just patients, like I remember talking with patients and you know saying, hey, Will, it's so good to see you, like, you know, um, but then, you know, they would say, well, it's well, it's good to see you too, but that means I'm sick if I see you. So it's kind of a bummer. But I love pharmacies where you can just go in and buy something and not be sick and then, you know, leave. And so I love just the idea of that. And so really it started in 2016 um, when I came back. Uh, I started precepting students and my very first student 
um, Maliha, um, I tasked her with, hey, let's look into point of care testing. Like, you know, in pharmacy school, we did, you know, full lipid panels, A1Cs, blood glucose, all these different tests. Like, how can we start, you know, oh, strep and flu? How can we start working on those? And so in 2016, she figured out, you know, all the things that everyone knows about now, like the Kalia Wave license, the CMS, you know, uh, kind of certificate. Um, what machines did we need? And so we really expanded on that. And we started doing strep and flu testing in 2017. Um, and we've been doing point of care testing basically for six years. And so when COVID happened, we were already really well poised for that. And so uh, what that looked like for us, and I think this is a, an important part of what's next in the future, is utilizing our touch points because pharmacies are the only healthcare provider where you can go in pretty much any time without an appointment. And also we see our patients and talk to our patients like at least, you know, 12, 13, 15, 20 plus times a year. Imagine if every time they came in, we just took a blood pressure, added it to the labs in Pioneer, and that gets sent as an e-care plan to their physician that we're working with to help lower their blood pressure, lower their cholesterol. Hey, you have a diabetes patient, you come in every six months, I do an A1C via point of care testing, upload it to your, your labs, that gets sent to your physician, and they can help you know, control your diabetes by seeing these little data points in between your once a year thing. And so we started doing that. And we also started doing a lot of cholesterol testing for prior authorizations for our specialty pharmacies. So we started mm -hmm. doing a point of care to show that, hey, you know, in order for insurance to keep paying for your, at the time, your new PCA, PCSK9, like injectable cholesterol medications, you have to show an LDL of less than 100. So the patients would come into our pharmacy, we would go ahead and do the cholesterol screening, show that they're at goal, send that information off to the insurance, and then it would be approved. And so there was a lot of things that we were doing that were just um probably like more forward thinking in the sense of how do we utilize that service in the greater kind of um, arc of, of healthcare. And so the next piece is being paid for it. Uh, we, we charge cash, which is great because still plenty of people were curious about their A1C. They were nervous about going to their doctor. So they wanted to get a little check to make sure they're on the right track. So we had a lot of that. And then strep and flu was huge too. And so even partnering with I know a lot of people can do like, you know, protocols or collaborative practice agreements, but same thing, you know, it's Friday night, 730, doctor's not open, go and get a strep test. And then, yeah, boom, you've got an antibiotic. And so we really enjoyed that. And that was really cool. And it really set us up because we were already doing point of care testing when COVID hit. So, and we already had all the machines too, which is really nice. Yeah. So I, I feel like the, the, the COVID pandemic really kind of, kind of opened uh, the consumer's eyes to a product category that maybe we didn't realize existed was, you know, that the the neighborhood pharmacy can actually provide those services. I, I can't tell you how many uh, patients I've seen walk in in flu season and say, hey, I think I might have the flu. And the pharmacist was like, mm, go, you know, you got to go get a flu test and then you can come back with a Tamiflu for, for that right there that's behind me on the shelf that I could – you know, so so you can really close that that gap, um, and I I think that offers you know a lot more visibility now. But it's really interesting that if you look at the healthcare spend nationally and and what we're spending the big money on, uh, you know, the hypertension, uh, uh, cholesterol, and um, the diabetes. You know, when we're looking at those big uh, you know priority uh, uh, disease states, and then you look at Hey, these are these are like the big spins. These are the things that I can actually move the needle on. 
it really makes uh, makes sense to focus on actually, you know, taking those screenings and 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 looking at that blood pressure, that A1C, that cholesterol, like at at the at the pharmacy level. Um, it seems weird that you know when you say it out loud, if that's the big spend, if if that chronic care management is really where we're uh, where we need to focus, why why aren't more pharmacies adapting to that uh, early on? Yeah, and I think a part of it is just a lot of it is how are we going to do it? And so every time I talk to my friends or even my staff, you know, I'm almost ready now because every time I propose something, I always prepare myself for well you know, when are we going to do that? Or how do we have the time to do that? And so I always tell them that my job is to provide, just like Mark provided me with resources, like my job is to make your life easy so that we can take on these new things. And so if that means optimizing our filling process by med syncing everything, great, because now we're still doing the same amount of work potentially, but making it a little bit smaller. And so now we have all of this room to kind of keep working on stuff. And so um, always thinking about how is this going to fit into your existing workflow? How can you handle this? You know, like how are you going to provide the time so it doesn't just, you know, like you said, peter off and and, and fall out of, of, of style or, you know, something you can do. So I think I really... I think a lot of people just need it to have the, the way paved for them too. I think that was something that was very interesting even in the early parts of testing is that people, like I said, people want an outline. They want it to be perfect. They want to know every little thing so they don't stumble. And I think that's something that um, I think more people need to kind of wrap their head around of, hey, listen, we've got to do, we know we need to do this. We don't know what it looks like, but let's try to head that way together. So that's why it's so cool with Connect, getting to talk with people that are like-minded, um, learn from people, have you know NCPA, your state organizations working together to figure this out. Because you know if one person figures it out and they can share it with everyone else and we can keep advancing, it'd be good. But I do think, I don't know, I, I, what are your, your thoughts on it too, Will? Because it's like, what stops people from from doing something, something new or something that ah, we should do that, like you know, but we just haven't done it yet. But what have you found as like an installer? Like, why haven't people turned on the print queue? Why don't people do A one Cs and stuff? You know? Yeah, you know. So, so one is doing anything differently is hard, um, and I, I think that there's like a mental block to doing anything differently just because of change for the sake of change, right? Like just, just change in itself. Uh, but I, I think the other, the other barrier is, um, you know, a, if I change this, my, my staff's not going to be happy. Right. So staff buy-in, um, but then, you know, the, the big part is showing that return on your investment. Like, you know, I really want to do this, but is this going to make financial sense? Um, and, and I think, I think you're right when you mentioned med sync, I, I think that's kind of a big, a big process, uh, you know, a big process changer, because if you're not doing med sync, if you're at a pharmacy that hasn't made that leap to change the way you're doing things. Okay. And then Rannon comes in and says, Hey, I think we should be getting blood pressure readings. Right. So if you're not doing med sync, if you have a patient with just four medications, okay? Look at all the touch points for four medications that aren't synced. Each one of those medications is going to have a patient calling in asking for a, uh, a refill. It's going to have your team going through workflow, 
possibly reaching out for refills, uh, and then notifying the patient that the prescription is ready, and then the patient coming to pick that up. And so for a fairly simple patient, you're having four to five touch points for each prescription times four. So which one of those 20 touch points throughout the month with that one patient which one of those touch points is the one where you're going to be clinical, right? Where you're, <laughs> where you're going to make an impact. And, and so I think that probably that appointment-based model is, is the key to making that, that actual, um, you know, impactful interface with the patient. And that's something that I, I really want to see in the future too. It's like we started, um, so vaccines was a big thing for me. So literally the day I came back to Terrytown, I met with my mentor professor at UT um, and I came up with like a, a plan for vaccines. And so right now, like we have on our website, you can book a yellow fever consultation or travel uh, vaccine consultation at my pharmacy. And literally pay, patients pay $30 just for my pharmacist to sit down and go over what they might need. And it's a $15 or 15 minute visit. And if they need a, you know, a yellow fever vaccine, which we have the, you know, the authorization from the CDC to do, then, you know, we can go ahead and give it. But that's a good example of, hey, like we are getting, you know, paid for what's in our head and our knowledge, not just what we dispense. And so trying to change that model of, hey, our pharmacist time is valuable and this is something that's going to help you. Right. And so if you spend $30 and realize you don't need a yellow fever vaccine for where you're going or you know what, um, you probably qualify, but based on your risk factors, it might be pretty dangerous for you to get one because there's all these contraindications and precautions. And so really having that as a resource is really helpful. So there's been times where people will, will sit down with them, you know, all right, Will, you're going to Tanzania. Great. These are the warnings. These are the things you need. Which vaccines have you gotten? Great. You need this, this, this. However, because you're this age, this risk factor, I don't recommend it. And then great. Visit done. Thanks for your time. And we just got, re you know, I'm not even reimbursed, but we got paid for that because, again, we might have saved someone, you know, a hundred dollar consultation fee at a travel clinic or where they're just going to push off the vaccine and try to get paid out of pocket no matter what. So I think that kind of idea of how do we get reimbursed for things outside of pharmacy is important. And so kind of creating that um, environment is is good, too. So like today, I think we have three yellow fever um, appointments with various patients and stuff, too. And so and then on Monday, we have another three. And so that's now you know, uh, 45 minutes of work, but you're getting, you know, I say reimbursed, but you're kind of starting to, to train folks that like pharmacists have values beyond just filling a prescription. Yeah. Yeah. So a uh, couple questions to, to kind of, uh, build on that. Do you, so, so a, you know, how do you, how do you get your foot in the door for those conversations? How, how do you start that conversation or, uh, make the patient, feel comfortable and, and, and trust you enough that you're the one they go to with that conversation. Uh, and then B, I think you touched on something really interesting that it's not always going to be uh, a third party reimbursement where you're getting paid. There's a lot of opportunity uh, for cash pay with, with your patients if you, if you, you know, can build that value. Yeah, I think so too. And part of it's nice too, because being um, authorized to give the yellow fever vaccine, it puts you on a, a very select list. So when you look up yellow fever vaccine near me on the CDC finder, I mean, Austin's a huge city, but there aren't really that many folks that that have it. And then um, it was kind of, oh, this was a bummer, but I got the approval for yellow fever. I think we did like 30 shots in a matter of a month, and then it went on back order for four years. So just literally 
literally probably like, you know, three months ago, or if not a little bit longer ago, it became available. So we started doing them again. And so it was just funny that like, sometimes you, you, you have all the right intentions and something out of your control happens. And so, you know, I was ready to blow up the travel vaccine um, thing probably like, yeah, in 2018, maybe. And then with, you know, the pandemic that didn't happen. And so I think uh, people underestimate um, how valuable our services are, or how much patients are willing to pay, right? Because what I did was I just called all the travel uh, vaccine clinic or travel vaccine, you know, providers in the area and just said, hey, like, if I go to Uganda, and I need a yellow fever shot, how much is that going to cost me? Out of pocket, non-negotiable, $130 consultation fee. If you do get the vaccine, they'll try to run your insurance, but otherwise it's $150 for the administration of the yellow fever vaccine. So you're talking about a $450, if not $600 visit just to get a shot versus, you know, most insurances don't cover yellow fever. So I just charge a flat fee of, you know, $330. And then that also includes the um, travel consultation as well if they end up getting the shot. And you're still making you know, a good margin on it and providing a service. And again, if someone can afford to go on safari, you know, in Tanzania or not Tanzania, but, you know, in Africa, you know, I think they could, you know, pay some money to to save some time. And also those visits just take a lot quicker, you know, like we can have people in and out a lot quicker than if they schedule an appointment and have to go through all this other stuff. So I think knowing our worth, but also just seeing what's out there, right? Like I could have put that on our website and people would have been like, I'm not doing that. But you kind of like risk people vote with their feet, so to speak. And right. So people will choose something that might be more convenient um, or something that is more beneficial to them, just if you give them the option. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so that's that's one of those things that if if I'm going out of the country, you know, yeah, I, I want to make sure that I get my insurance cards, um, you know, where my family here can access. So, you know, you want to do all of these certain things. I want to set the, the, uh, timer on the plants, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. you're, you're, you're doing all of those, uh, you know, best practices. Um, you know, and, and I think that, uh, the pharmacy is definitely in a more accessible spot, uh, as far as healthcare for that than, than going to your, uh, normal provider. So, um, you know, how do you, how do you kind of, create that relationship with your patients where if they need something, um, you know, I, I know that that's my first call. So how do you, how do you cultivate that first, first call priority? Yeah. I think a part of it is just consistency, right? Like the, the, the whole thing with that Google review is, um, they had a, a problem, they had a need and we, in fulfilling that need made them feel valued and made it a good experience. And so again, it's a testament to your team and how you take care of folks. And it's kind of like the weakest link, right? Like if you have one, if you have one employee that you're like, Oh, I just hope they never talk to someone because it's going to be, you know, they're going to just rub, you know, rub them the wrong way. Like that's really tough. And so what's really nice about all of our team is that it doesn't really matter who they talk to. I know that they're going to be taken care of in like the Terrytown way. And if not, how do we coach them? And so my pharmacists, like, you know, Megan, Ellie and Jess and, and like Han and Lynn, they are great about just knowing how to take care of people and how to figure out problems and problem solve. And so um, I teach my students this too, but when someone comes to the counter and, you know, hey, Will, I'm here to pick up my prescription and you tell me, hey, sorry, I don't have anything for you ready. Like a lot of pharmacies will just stop at that. Right. But then I always say, well, that's not helpful. Right. Like what if you went to the counter after you ordered food and they're like, hey, sorry, I don't see your order in here. 
Right. Right. But no, no, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Uh, what were you looking for? Hey, who was supposed to call it in? Um, all right. Well, if it's urgent care, maybe they called into the wrong place. Let me call for you. So I always teach them to kind of go above and beyond. And so part of building that rapport is, you know, just like you may not have an opportunity to help that one disgruntled customer, you only kind of get one shot in a lot of, in a lot of things. And so um, if you have that patient, like there was a uh, a grocery chain that just shut down like a few blocks away from us. And we got a lot of influx of patients in just little things like um, coaching, like, you know, my team to just say, Hey, if someone comes in and, and they say, and make a little comment, like, man, I've never been in here. It's so nice. Or wow. Like I, I'm a new patient. I, I have to come over here because this other place closed down. Just thank them. Be like, Oh, well, thanks for coming in. And um, we're, we're glad you're here. Just stuff like that to make um, little deposits in the little PR bank and stuff. So I think the more that you can be uh, kind and reliable, the more, you know, when they think about calling someone, you know, like I, I've called doctors where their um, secretary is just very rude and it doesn't make me really feel good about calling that doctor again, right? But if I know that I call Pioneer, you know, support or if I call Will or if I call Terrytown and someone is always going to be there to like advocate and fight for you, I think that kind of, breaks the barrier down when you think of who should I call and you always will go to the path of like least resistance. And so if the path of being treated kindly and having someone figure out your problem is what they think of when they think of your pharmacy, that's when things get really interesting. Cause then when you come to them and say, Hey guys, we are doing this new point of care, A1C diabetes education. They know that, Hey, if they do it at any level of how they took care of my COVID test or my, my compounded prescription, I feel pretty good about what they're trying to do here as well. Yeah. I, I think one of the really important touch points uh, and one of the areas that, that you've kind of focused on is that transition of care. When a patient is going through one of those really challenging times and with a lot of changes, um, you know, that's, that's such a, a an ideal time to, to really build that relationship and, and, and make sure that patient's on the right track. So tell me a little bit about how uh, Terrytown has kind of managed that process. And does that process kind of bleed over into uh, patients that have come over from that pharmacy that closed? Do you guys kind of address those almost as a transition of care? Yeah. So a lot of it's, again, MedSync. And so when I think about, um, it's almost like MedSync's pretty much the pharmacy answer for everything. And so when you think about someone that's transitioning from the hospital. I mean, um, I, I can think of multiple stories where you have, you know, old, older patients that come in with a, you know, a thick stack of papers of discharge paperwork. That's like hospital guidelines mixed in with, you know, counseling points and their meds and all this stuff. And they just don't really know what to do. You know, they have Dr. Smith that's been taking care of their medication regimen for 30 years. And then some hotshot hospitalist comes in and says, I'm switching this all up and good luck, you know? So a part of it is medicine because basically um, it's a med rec, right? Every single month you're reconciling their medications. And um, what's really cool about that is being proactive. And so a lot of medicine is reactive, right? You go to the hospital when something already bad has happened. You don't go to a wellness visit. You go when you've you know broken your toe, you go when you're feeling really crummy and then you realize that you have you know diabetes or you're having to pee a lot and stuff. And so what could you do that's proactive? And that's why I really like MedSync is that like why in the world would pharmacies wait around for a patient to call and give us business, right? What if we could be proactive and be like, hey, I know you have 10 prescriptions. Like instead of being you know, annoying like a chain saying, I'm just gonna autofill it, it really is like, hey, right. you have a week of meds left 
has anything changed? How are you doing? What's different? Oh yeah, last week um, I got a new prescription. Don't worry, I short filled it and lined it up. And so that's a big part of it. And so when I think of transitions of care, we're still early on that now because the reimbursement for it hasn't really been lined up. And you know, I've talked a lot about like cost sharing and stuff. I just don't really think cost sharing works or is really um, that like effective. And I know you know Amina does a lot of things with you know working with other providers. I just think at some point we're going to need to get reimbursed directly for what we're doing because you know most of the hospitalizations or readmissions of the hospitalizations are because of medication errors and so again have the medication expert look at things what's going on where's the duplication follow up with them have them come in for a blood pressure you know monitoring thing so when we did our um our uh, like grant funded uh, research project with UT and Terrytown to look at transitions of care, it really was something that we're really poised well to do. You know, I had my pharmacy technician do the med rec, right? If they were one of our patients, great, he's updating their medication re or their, his, their med sync, he's making notes, we're able to follow up with them. Uh, now with the ability to build these um, uh, care goal triggers, that's kind of what we're doing now. It's like, hey, this was a new medication added on. In five to seven days, it'll flag and go to a queue where now my pharmacist during their clinical time will go through and like follow up with them, they'll document. And so that's all the stuff that I think is the future. But again, until we get reimbursement, there won't be really wide um, adoption of that. So now we're in this weird piece with working with CPSN to kind of show our value. But part of it is just having to do it. But I think the way that it works right now in indirect reimbursement would be MedSync. So have yeah. a patient come out of hospital. Hey, you know what? We have a med rec or, or transitions of care um, service. And what that is, is as soon as you get discharged, you know, my technician, Mike's going to call you, figure out your drug regimen, get it all lined up, send that list to your primary care physician. And we're going to call you in seven days to follow up with how you're doing because the the hospitalist started you on a new med. So I think that's probably the best way to indirectly get paid for our services of making sure that, you know, these refills are happening, but also we're being more efficient with our time, like you mentioned as well. So I think that's kind of where we're at now of how people could almost justify the cost where it's like, it is saving us time. It's providing a service for your patients and it really is providing better patient care. And then eventually, like you mentioned too, if we can keep showing that we're helping folks stay out of the hospital, even though we're not the ones billing for it, then we'll be able to be incentivized, hopefully, to prevent those high dollar readmissions. And so that's kind of the process now of like using your existing system or using transitions of care to get into MedSync, you know? Um, and I think that's a really, really great opportunity to have that talking point with your patient. Yeah. And when, when you can perform those, um, uh, medication reconciliations for those new patients that are coming in and you can track that and then at some point have that conversation with your local um, hospitals and say, hey, look, you know, here's here's this patient list and, and actually look at those readmission rates. You know, you can definitely show where you've had an impact. Um, and that's one of the things you're actually going to be talking about at Connect is showing that medication reconciliation process within the software. So super excited about that. Um, and, you know, I, I was I was thinking uh, also when when you're kind of describing how that uh, just rolls into MedSync, it, it's also the difference in being an active um participant in that transaction. So if if I'm if I'm the the one activating a transaction every month or, or on a recurring basis, then as a consumer, like it's my responsibility to shop where I do that every month. You know, like if I have a reoccurring expense that I'm initiating, 
I'm going to, you know, look at am I am I going to the best place, right? If I'm just a consumer, I'm going to to shop that differently than, you know, if it's a service that's provided um, by a trusted healthcare professional that reaches out to me, it kind of it kind of changes the whole scope of that transaction to me. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think um, what's so interesting is that, and we even tried a lot of different things where like we even tried like a subscription service for MedSync. That's one of the things that, you know, James worked on. And um, it really is something that, you know, patients that had more than four medications really saw the benefit of that, right? Like you mentioned all those touch points of like, they would be like, man, if I could pay $5, $10 a month for someone to manage this, that's totally worth it. But the person that, you know, a college student getting one medication a month, they don't really see the value of it. And what we really saw is that we almost build a um, um, a captive audience with MedSync so that, you know, no one's going to do it like we do. Like no one can do it like the great pioneer users that use MedSync. And so even if someone does transfer, if they're like, you know, let's say, you know, the pharmacy is too nice and smells too good and they want to go to a different pharmacy and they transfer their prescriptions, it's, it takes a month to get out of sync. You know that, Will, right? So it's like, yep. I mean, it takes no time at all if you're not keeping up with sync for it to fall out of place. And we've had so many people that were on sync, you know, maybe they moved a little bit further away and they just tried the, the, the pharmacy right by their house. And then they'll transfer back and drive 15, 20 minutes because they were oh, like, yeah. I'd rather drive 15 minutes once a month and know everything is all ready to go, then pop into the pharmacy every other day because, oh, it's not ready, or, oh, we have to order it, or, oh, you wanted that one? Oh, I have to reach the doctor. So it really is interesting because once we get people on MedSync, it's really difficult for those patients to kind of, it's almost like once you get a taste for, you know, um, you know fiber, it's hard to go back to dial-up, you know? And so it's really um, a nice thing to offer just for us because we're being proactive in getting refills. So if you can take a refill that someone would remember refilling it nine times out of the year to now 12, you know, you've increased your revenue potentially by, you know, quite a bit versus if you're just, you know, waiting around for someone to call in a, a script if they remember, um, it's just pretty difficult and it just helps our patients out too. So we're trying to figure out like what's that next step, um, uh, even with our facilities, like we're syncing up all of our facilities now too. Um, and uh, it's so funny, like uh, we have EHR access for the long-term care facilities that we work with. And <laughs> sometimes I think um, even for me, I thought it was very daunting to try to set it up because for one facility, it took a really long time to try to get coordinated with them. And then uh, my pharmacist, Megan, she's awesome. And um, I'm having her work on uh, facility relations. In one afternoon, she got EHR access for another huge facility for us. And I was like, what? Like, here I was in my head thinking it'd be really <laughs> difficult. And she just emailed like three people. And then all of a sudden she's like, hey, I got it. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. So I think a lot of it is, even for me, you can kind of get bogged down about like, it, you know, the daunting process of like doing something new or thinking, you know, projecting that, oh, they won't want to do that or they won't give us this. And so a lot of it's just trying to get out there and give it a shot. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Again, sounds like just having that, having that amazing team uh, is really one of the, one of the major keys there. Yeah. It's been awesome. And like, yeah, I, like I said, all the things that we do, like I can't do without them. So they're, they're amazing, but yeah. Um, but Will, what are you excited for connect about? Like I know it's been a while oh since we've gosh. been back, so we're getting the band back together. So yeah, let's get the band back together. Yeah, because um, uh, it's been a while since we've been able to meet up in person, and you know this year we have a bigger schedule than ever. Uh, we we've had a lot of changes with um, 
uh, over the past two years, just in the business of pharmacy and then also within Pioneer RX. Uh, so it's going to be a bigger, better show than ever. And, you know, just really excited about the speaker lineup that we have. Uh, we have a great MedSync workshop. And then uh, we're doing that early this year because it's, you know, everything else uh, and, and, the, and the curriculum kind of builds on that MedSync and, and having that strong MedSync. So really excited uh, about building on that with so many of our great pharmacists. Uh, more than we've ever had, uh, our speakers are our users. You know, we we, we have a, a handful of fundamental classes, you know, that are uh, Pioneer RX staff. But again, so much of it is just the success stories from uh, pharmacists like Rana Ching who are coming in to say, hey, this is how we do the things that make us successful. This is These are the nuts and bolts behind the success stories. So, Always super, super, super exciting to, uh, you know, be able to bring that and and especially in an environment where, you know, you can interact with those people. So, yeah, yeah. I think that's like the most fun is like the interacting with people and the fact it's like we all speak the same language, you know, it's like pioneers, like the the binding force and stuff. So I always think it's interesting how other people like use the platform. And yeah, you're right when it's nice when you can ask the speaker like, hey, what are your location settings? Or, you know, like, hey, what what do you do here? Where do you enter in this like, you know, care goal? And so that's always been really fun. So I'm, I'm pumped too. It'll be fun. Yeah, it's it's so great to go and, and just see everybody in person. It's like the one week out of the year I get to be like really cool. You know, I, I get to know everybody in the room and 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 be helpful and and so it's always just amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. It'll be fun. It'll be cool. All right. We're closing in on the hour. I'm going to give you back the rest of your day. Uh, thanks so much for joining us, man. I, I could keep you here and, and, and talk your ear off for another hour, but uh, I'm going to let you get back to work at the pharmacy today. And uh, hopefully I'll have you back on before too long. Yeah, no, that'd be great. It's always a pleasure talking with you guys. And yeah, looking forward to seeing you and the others at Connect. So it'll be fun. All right, bud. Talk to you later. All right. See ya. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond the Scripts, presented by the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please support our channel by liking, subscribing, and clicking the notification bell so that you'll be notified anytime we post new content. To stay up to date with all of the latest independent pharmacy news and content, follow Pioneer RX on your preferred social media platform.